Okay, we have a few more people on. Um, so as y'all can imagine, this is different than how we usually do church. And this is something that we uh, decided as elders this week that with what's happening in the city and around the world, we just thought that it was best for us as a church to meet remotely. And this way we can still have the sermon as well as connecting with one another. Um, but we're all keeping each other safe and healthy. So thank y'all for joining today. And um, we are on our third week of our Lenten series. And this week we will be going through um, a few different topics. But first, I wanted to start by offering up a prayer. And I know that for a lot of us, this is a really stressful time and a really um, maybe anxious time. So I wanted to just start with a prayer so that we can all like center ourselves and be on the same page. So Lord, thank you for getting us to today, and we know that everyone is dealing with different anxious thoughts right now. Help us to focus on you today and really listen to what you're trying to tell us through these different readings, as well as listen to how we can be together in community during this time. Okay, so first, um, just to get everyone on the same page, I know that a few people I've been talking to at the church, everyone's kind of in the same place. Like, what are we going to do for the next few weeks? Are people working remotely? Are kids going back to school? Are daycares open? And I think that there are just so many, um, so many different situations for people, and everyone's kind of trying to figure this out because this is something that we've never had before, at least during our lifetime. So, um, just to lighten the mood, I will share that John and I are both working remotely for the next, for me, two weeks for sure, and then three weeks for John. And for those of y'all that know our house, we have a very small house and we have no office. So that means that we will be working together in our living room for the next two to three weeks. So um, it's just something that we're trying to just make the most of, trying to make light of it. You know, uh, think about that we can wear pajamas if we want to or that we can now uh, take walks during the day. Um, trying to remind ourselves that this is only temporary and um, focusing on what we are able to do, which is to help keep other people safe by us limiting our contact with others. So, um, and I think that really goes into the first part of our um, Lenten readings today. So we are following the Lenten liturgical um, calendar, which means that what we're reading today is also what millions of other Christians are reading and studying, which I think is so beautiful, especially with what we're going through right now. Um, the idea that so many other people are reading the same thing that we're reading, that are praying the exact same prayers, I think is really beautiful. So um, I wanted to start with the collect, which is the beginning of the, it's just a prayer to start our Lenten, um, Lenten service. So Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. So whenever I first read that, um, I, you know, this was before things had gotten to the place that they are now with um, the coronavirus, and so I thought, wow, this is, you know, a beautiful prayer. But when I was reflecting on it later in the week, I think I really was thinking about that first sentence. You know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. And I think that, you know, we're thinking about what all are we as a community dealing with right now? We're dealing with loss of control. 
loss of plans, um, people having to cancel trips, loss of routine, people having to um, readjust their whole lives to deal with what's going on right now. But that even when we have this sense of fear and panic and hopelessness, people are, um, while we should be taking care of one another as a community, sometimes our natural reaction is to act from a place of fear and act from a place of um, looking only out for us as individuals. And I think that when we remind ourselves that our physical bodies can be weak or strong, it's actually not indicative of God's power. Um, and I think that during this time, you really need to remember that, that no matter what is happening in the world with our physical bodies, whether it be us as a church or us as individuals or us as a country or even other countries in the world, that um, our physical bodies aren't indicative of our souls and our physical bodies can be weak. And that doesn't mean that God isn't there with us. So um, I was thinking about in our worldly, or excuse me, looking inwardly at our souls, that next line of the prayer, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body. And again, when I first read this, I was like, wow, that's a good prayer. But when you look at it directly related to what we're looking at and dealing with this week, I think that this is really speaking to us right now, that we should be looking inward at our souls and not outwardly at our bodies. And I think that during this time of reflection, sometimes forced, as um, Aisha and I were talking yesterday, and I really liked how she said it, it's kind of like forced stillness, forced rest, and forced introspection. So during this time, how can we in a world that is so focused on the outwardly consequences, how can we look at things inwardly, look at things from a soul perspective to take care of ourselves and take care of our souls? So how I was thinking about this is um, when we're looking at our souls and our soul health, what are our inner thoughts? What is our inner dialogue? And I know that many of the you know folks in the church are interested in Enneagram, and I am as well. Um, and just a shout out to Meg and Jackie and Mandy, who've all hosted women's book clubs that had to do with Enneagram in the past couple of years. But I think that as a church, we've been really learning, you know, how does Enneagram, that is a tool, you know, it's not meant to be the end all be all, but how can Enneagram be a tool? Um, and when I think about the more that I've learned about the Enneagram and about my personality is that my inner dialogue as a type one tends to be more critical of myself. So I have, you know, more standards for myself that aren't always healthy. And I think that when I'm looking at how am I taking care of my inward thoughts and my soul, I'm looking at how can I take care of that inner dialogue that sometimes isn't the nicest to myself, because I know that shifting those thoughts and what my natural dialogue is, but shifting that more to be focused on those healthy thoughts, that actually makes my soul more healthy. And therefore I can be a healthier person to others in my life. So I want us to kind of think about, you know, how do how do our thoughts naturally shift whenever we um, are dealing with stress? Do we, you know, tend to be more critical of ourselves or do we tend to be more critical of others? Do we tend to kind of um, think only about ourselves? Do we tend to uh, think worst case scenario? Do we tend to kind of do the opposite and like block out anything that could be changing our thoughts? Do we want to, you know, zone out? Do we want to, um, I don't know, just think about anything but the realities at hand? So I think, of course, there's an, a mix that's healthy for everyone, but 
I really just wanted us to think about how can we shift our inner dialogue to be something that helps us focus towards the inward and less on the outward situation in a healthy way. And so the next line of this prayer is, and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. I just loved the idea that Jesus is saying that not only does he live and reign with us in the Holy Spirit, but he's also saying that he's protecting us from these evil thoughts. And I think that sometimes with the word evil, we can think like, you know, more like evil from like a movie. Or for me, I always think about it like that just seems really intense and that's not what I'm actually thinking about. Like I don't have evil thoughts. Those are just for, you know, that's like really dramatic. But if you actually think about, you know, what evil can be, it can be many things. And yesterday when I was reflecting on it, I was thinking about what can it be within a community? It can be inauthenticity, so not being genuine with one another, not being open with one another and creating a, um, an inauthentic space. It can be passiveness, so checking out of a community, not checking in with one another kind of deciding that we no longer want to engage with others or that we are only going to focus on ourselves. It can also be cynicism, um, so being extremely negative and um, only thinking about the most negative things that can happen, as well as apathy. And I think that this is a big one for us right now as a world and especially as um, Americans, that I think we need to be not getting apathetic about the things that are going on in the world and not getting apathetic about the impact that we can have as um, just individuals in a community. So what can we do to take care of one another? And I think that, you know, looking back at the prayer, you know, we're praying that like outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we will be defended from all adversity. So not only are we praying for our physical bodies to be healthy and for us as a community to be healthy, but we're also praying for us as our souls to be defended from all of those adversities, which I think includes all of those things that I just listed, because those are the things that we need to be watching out for, especially during this time. So I think I could keep talking about that prayer for a really long time, but we have many other reading, or we have three other readings to go through, so I'll get started with the next one. So the next one is from the Old Testament, Exodus 17, 1 through 7. So let me read that here. Okay, so this is a story that many of us have heard several times, especially if you grew up in church, you've probably heard it a few different times, but I'll read it really quickly. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, and again, I'm not going to try to pronounce some of these names correctly, Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. 
So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So when I thought about this story, I hadn't, to be honest, read this story in a really long time. So when I think about Lent and what this season means to us, we're preparing for Jesus's arrival. It's this time when many people choose to give up things or look at things like parts of their lives or habits um, that might be unhealthy and re-examine those things. But what I was thinking about as I read this story is how we as humans, no matter what's going on, whether things are good or bad in our lives, like how many of us will still want to blame others and we will want to complain and we will want to quarrel with the leaders um, to think that nothing is being done correctly, to think that we could do better. Um, our nature as humans is to push back against authority. And I think that when I was reading this, I was thinking about it from the perspective of both the leader, but then the perspective as the person that was following. Because as the leader, you were thinking, well, why is everyone not agreeing with me right off the bat? Why are people questioning my authority? Why are the, um, you know, why are the Israelites not listening to me when I have a plan? Um, and I think that when you think about it from the leader perspective, you kind of have this type of mentality that people should just automatically accept what you say as truth and listen to it. And what I kept going back to is that in order for there to be that trust, that there needs to be a foundation of um, connection and friendship, and that allows there to be a healthy communicate, or excuse me, that allows there to be a healthy conversation when someone disagrees or when there does need to be pushback or when you want to talk about things more. So you as a follower might feel more comfortable to talk to someone in a healthy way if you disagree with the leader, if there is already that foundation there. And I don't think that God was saying that we need to accept everything. I don't think that God is saying that we need to just automatically listen to leaders um, and follow what they're saying without any question or without any um, conversation or dialogue. But I think that um, he was using this story as an example of um, what communities look like when there's not always that healthy um, foundation. So I think that what I kept reminding myself, what kept coming to me is this um, idea of discernment and to not automatically shut down when someone is telling us something that we might not agree with and um, discern before complaining. And I think that during the season, there has been a lot of um, complaining. And I do understand that. I know that I've been complaining about different things too, but I felt really um, convicted when I was reading this and preparing for the sermon that um, we as a people that are following the Lord need to be mindful not to um, automatically be complaining about things that are um, hard for us and to not automatically shut down when leaders are telling us things to do, even if we disagree. But again, back to that, when there is the healthy foundation of a healthy relationship between leader and follower, um, that dialogue looks different than if there's not that. Um, so I think that it's important to pray for groups and to pray about how and when things should be voiced um, but above all, praying for that foundation and um, the foundation and the relationships to be healthy so that things are more comfortable um, for both the leader and the follower to talk about.
Because again, if you look back at the verses, you know, um, the Lord was directly telling Moses what to do and the people weren't necessarily ready to listen yet. And so I think that, um, you know, between human nature and between, you know, being in a stressful situation and people not wanting to listen, that um, this is a really good example of how we need to be in healthy community before those times of stress and before those times of conflict come about so that we can have that dialogue. Okay, next section is to talk about Psalm 95. And again, when I first read this um, a couple of weeks ago, I you know thought that all of these verses were really great. But looking at them again with the situation of things this week, it really is um, amazing how the Lord has placed these things in in the right order and in the right for the right week for us. Because if you look at Psalm 95, which I will read, it's pretty short. Um, but again, just think as I read it, just think about how this is related to where things are right now. Okay, Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had, had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So this, this psalm is directly related. It calls out the exact same group of people. So this is directly related to the um, Exodus passage. But the first verse that stood out to me was um, verse 8. Harden not your hearts as your forebears did in the wilderness. And so I just really want us to let that sink in, that even in the desert, even in the unknown, that our hearts don't need to be hardened. And I think we need to be making sure that not just our hearts, but our relationships, let those not be hardened, let those not be cynical um, friendships, community. We need to be right now assuming goodwill and not letting our hearts grow cynical or apathetic. And back to the prayer at the beginning of the sermon, taking care of our souls and taking care of that inward part of ourselves, taking care of our inner voice. What is our inner voice saying to us? Is it telling us to look out for others? Is it reminding us to check in with people? Is it reminding us to pray for others? Is it reminding us to not, um, not be so focused on just ourselves? In times of duress, how are we treating one another? Is it with love or is it with fear? Um, and then I think the part of the prayer that for me feels really hard, is, or excuse me, the part of the psalm that feels really hard for me right now is let us sing to the Lord. Um, for me, that feels challenging right now because I'm like, what can we sing about? There's so many things right now that are hard that people are stressed about, that um, people have so much um, uncertainty about. But I think, again, going back to finding that joy in the Lord, even during the desert, even when we're in the desert or when we're in those times of duress. Um, and I think that when you look at verse two of the Psalms, it's, of this Psalm, it says, 
Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So it's not just coming before him. We're not just there. We're coming before him specifically with thanksgiving. And I think that is a that is an exercise for us right now to be thinking about the things that we can thank him for, to be thinking about what we can what we can bring to the Lord. And again, this is some of that inner dialogue and inner self-reflection that a lot of us are going to be forced into that we normally aren't because we can't um, fill our days with as many activities as we used to be able to. We're going to have more time on our hands. And so I think what I'm going to try to do is focus more on gratitude and coming before him, not just being there, but being there with Thanksgiving, which I think, again, using this as a time of renewal, using this as a time to strip away all the access, all the things that are distracting us, you know, um, and focusing on the things that really matter. And I do think that that, as many people I've seen posting on social media, that this is a positive thing that's coming out of this situation with the coronavirus is that people are looking at what's really important. And that is, you know, family, community, friends, and how can we be good company at home? How can we connect with others, checking in with others, taking care of each other and ourselves? And again, I think reminding ourselves that this is temporary and that the Lord wants us to not be in fear or, um, you know, taking things out on others during this time. So the last thing about the psalm is that um, verse 7, I think, is one that we really need to be reflecting on and holding in our hearts right now. And that is, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And I think reminding ourselves that no matter what's going on, that at the end of the day, God is still with us. He's holding us. And that no matter whether it be our physical selves um, or our um, inward selves, that he's there with us and that we are the flock that he is tending to no matter what. So again, this psalm, I think, is so timely with what we're going through. And it again, it just feels like so amazing that all around the world right now, like millions of people are also talking about these same things. And so I feel like very woven together as a church body. And I think reminding ourselves of that and thinking about that as we come to the Lord with thanksgiving of those those things. But we still have two more sections of um, verses that I will get through. And then um, I want us, then we're going to have some time of prayer. So just so y'all kind of know the timeline. Okay, so the next is a passage from Romans, Romans 5, 1 through 11. So let me pull that up. Oh, wait, am I missing? Nope, that is next. Okay, y'all are getting the unfiltered, um, or y'all are getting a genuine, genuine expression today. I have this little candle, and then I have my notes, and my Bible, and the Wild Way copy. <laughs> so anyway, okay. This is how we're doing church today, and I'm so glad that y'all are also choosing to do church with me today. But, okay, next verse is Romans 5, 1 through 11, and the title is Peace and Joy of this section. So again, thinking through not just the hard parts of um, protecting our thoughts and our inner souls, but the peace and joy that we also need to be reflecting on right now. So, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man to someone, or sorry, for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God throughout, or sorry, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So again, I think that this verse, this set of verses, um, in my Bible I have it underlined, and I actually have a date that um, I like to like write the dates of when I'm studying different verses. And so we went over this verse, and I'm not joking, we went over this verse the exact day today, um, three years ago, which is just a cool coincidence. But when I think about this, I was reflecting about how we have peace with God, and what does that peace look like versus worldly peace? And I think that a lot of us right now might be struggling with the worldly peace, but I think thinking through how do we have the peace with God and that we have already obtained access to that peace and that grace through him. So I think the next part is really challenging about boasting in our sufferings. And I think that feels challenging for me right now because I'm like, okay, so yes, According to this verse, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and that produces hope. But can't we have hope without having to go through all those other things? Like, can't we have hope without having to go through the suffering? Um, But I think that while we obviously can have hope in other ways, what I think that Paul is trying to remind us here is that our sufferings can still result in hope. So our sufferings will produce that endurance because we will build the muscle of taking care of one another, taking care of ourselves, praying more, um, you know, not floating through things without thinking about the Lord. That suffering is in, is creating endurance. It's kind of like you're working a muscle. And I think about, I used to be a swimmer, and so I think about how we would have specific days of swimming that would just be called endurance days where everything we did was really Um, focused on like swimming long distances um, just to build up our endurance and those were the least fun days and I think about like how Paul is challenging us here that suffering is there to help us become stronger and that it is there for us to grow endurance and that that endurance leads to character and of course we all want us want there to be character in our lives we all want to be people of strong character but acknowledging that sometimes that character is grown out of how you handle suffering and how you grow through that endurance, and then ultimately leading to hope. And I think this one feels tricky for me right now, but I think reminding ourselves that that suffering is there no matter what we do. So how about we take the suffering and use it as a chance to grow our endurance, to um, grow our character, and then ultimately find that hope. 
And I think that there is, I also want to acknowledge that there is lots of room for disappointment right now um, with plans changing, trips being canceled, events canceled, times of our lives that are supposed to be filled with joy and happiness, you know, birthdays or anniversaries or other things that are supposed to be filled with joy that a lot of us don't feel that right now because all of these things have been challenged. But again, as believers, God's love is literally poured into our hearts. And that means that while we can understand those disappointments and still feel those disappointments, we don't have to dwell on them and that we can use that suffering to ultimately get to hope which is um, where God wants us to be. He wants us to have and feel that hope. And um, it is just one stage to get to that hope. Um, Again, still talking about that we, later on in the verses, it talks about we are still weak. And I think just tying in all of these different, um, whether it be the first prayer that we prayed today, but all of these different verses all have this common theme that we as humans are still weak. But in our weakness, our physical weakness, that that doesn't mean that God's power is gone. And that doesn't mean that we um, have to dwell on that weakness, but pointing us inward to focus on God and on our soul and on ourselves as a community right now. I think that these verses, um, I really do love these verses because verse five, I continue to look back on. And I love that it says, hope does not disappoint us. Um, and when I think about it, you know, it doesn't disappoint us because the ultimate hope that we have at the end of this is the love of God. And at the end of the Lenten season is, you know, the birth of Jesus. And so that hope will not disappoint us. But this is a season that traditionally is more about suffering and about not even necessarily suffering, I should say, but more about, um, you know, it's a hard season because we're preparing for something good. Lent is not supposed to be a season of necessarily outward joy, but um, preparing for that final hope and that final joy that comes with the birth of Jesus. So I just really look back at that verse, and I love kind of that mantra of hope does not disappoint us. And so I think reminding ourselves that throughout these sufferings that the ultimate um, feeling that we will have at the end is hope. And so reminding ourselves of that. Okay, we have one more um, verse, and it's a long one, um, and it's our gospel section, and then we will do some prayers. So this one is pretty long, John 4, 5 through 42. So hold on, I have a little bookmark here. Okay, so this one is, this story is when Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman, and I think that Um, When Drew and I were talking about um, which week we were going to do, um, I was like, oh, yeah, this week sounds great. I would love to do um, the sermon that talks about the Samaritan woman. And as I have been reflecting on it more, I've had some ideas about things that I had previously seen when I read this story that I'm actually like, oh, I actually think I'm seeing this a little differently now. So I want us to, as I read this, to think about things maybe in a different way than we have before. So, okay, starting verse 5. Okay. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called, and again, I'm not going to pronounce these names correctly, Sikar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was all about, or excuse me, it was about the sixth hour. 
When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty, and you have to keep drawing here to draw, or sorry, you have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and the worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know, th- I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So I know it's a long section of verses, so just wanted to stop there for a few thoughts. So when I thought about this verse, this section of verses more, I thought about what would it look like in today's world. And I think that what I really appreciate when Austin preaches is that he always looks at all the historical context of the situation. And I'll share that I don't feel like I have the expertise to do that. So whenever I think about these verses, I'm thinking about what would it look like today? And so what I'm picturing is that From the perspective of the Samaritan woman, she's likely someone who didn't want to be seen. She already felt shame about her situation. She might have already felt like an outcast. She didn't want to be judged because she knew she was already being judged. I mean, even how she answered Jesus in the very first question, she was like, the very first thing is, she's very first saying, why are you even asking me to do this for you? You shouldn't be talking to me. Like she's outwardly starting off the conversation with acknowledging the social dynamic between them. And what I think about is that in this situation and in that historical time, I bet that it, you know, was an uncomfortable situation for her and an uncomfortable situation for Jesus. But when I think about it today, I think about what that would feel like and where we can kind of see this playing out, where people come into spaces that they're not comfortable in. They come into spaces where they know that they're already being judged, whether it be by how they look or, you know, how they dress or different things. And I think what I was thinking about is that are we taking the time when people are around us that might be uncomfortable or that might not um, typically be somewhere, are we taking the time to welcome those people in? Are we taking the time to 
you know, ask them questions even when they uh, might not want to be asked at first? Are we creating a space where they feel comfortable? And I think that when you look at verse 13, um, Jesus says, everyone who drinks the wa- this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And of course, he's referencing the gospel and he's referencing um, believing in Christ. But I think about, you know, when we when you look at people um, who are sharing the gospel and who are used to doing those things, that if you grew up in church, um, what that looked like is probably, um, it was probably different depending on the type of church that you grew up in and what you experienced. But I think about what are the things in our lives that might be things that are that thirst, or excuse me, that are that water for us that's not our eternal water that we continue to go to, but it continues to make us thirsty rather than the good news that is the, the water that will that will quench our thirst. And I was thinking about it, and again, I think going back to some of the things that we talked about earlier, but that inner dialogue, um, dwelling in thoughts and dwelling in maybe some unhealthy habits, for me, I was thinking that water is affirmation, positive affirmation, um, being in peaceful existence with others without any hard conversations, no conflict. Like to me, that's the water that I will continue to reach for and thirst for. But challenging myself as I was looking at this verse again, that water that will truly quench the thirst is the Lord. And again, that peace and that hope and um, the protection that he offers us, that will be something that we will never, if we are truly sitting in it and dwelling in it, that we won't reach for those other things as often. And of course, we're human, so we're going to want to. But I think reminding ourselves that if we can focus on him and if we can dwell in his um, presence, that our desires for those things will be minimal. And um, as you're looking at this story, I thought it was interesting that on verse 26, if you go, um, that at the end of this interaction between the woman and Jesus, that there is no, that while it does say what Jesus's response is, it doesn't say what her response is. And I thought like at the very end of the story, it was kind of like Jesus said his piece and then mic drop and he left. And I thought that was interesting because I was thinking, I wonder what her reaction would have been if we had known, you know, maybe her reaction, maybe she got up and left. And so um, there was no reaction to record, or maybe she um, wanted to talk to Jesus more about it. I don't know, but I thought it was really interesting that um, the reaction wasn't recorded. And okay. Briefly, we'll go to the next section. But I just thought that was a really interesting point of why was Jesus's word kind of like the last word and then her reaction was never recorded. So I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting piece. But okay, quickly going through the next verses. Um, again, we have a couple more little finishing up of this story. So Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Okay, so that was his last word to the Samaritan woman. So then the next part of the story. Just then his disciples returned and were at, and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. 
Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, Four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, One sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So... I thought it was interesting that the first part of the story, they bring up questions that would normally be asked, but they weren't asked. So looking at verse 27, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? And I thought it was interesting that this was included in the story is that they normally would ask these questions, but chose not to ask these questions. So I thought about, Why was this included? And I was thinking that maybe it was showing that the disciples' hearts had been changed, that maybe the disciples typically would have asked these more, you know, judgmental questions, but because of spending time with God, or excuse me, with Jesus, they had changed their hearts and were no longer asking those questions. And so this verse was included to show this change of heart, to show this change of um, discernment. And going back to the story in Exodus, showing this change of how am I responding to my leaders? Am I automatically questioning everything? Am I automatically um, asking with judgment certain questions? And I just thought it was cool that they included those questions and said, actually, we didn't ask these questions and normally we would have. So I just thought that was a cool um, kind of thing from the story. And that's what I thought about as I read this. And Jesus, you know, tells them that he's talking about he's not hungry physically, and he talks about how um, he is filled on these other things. And I think that in this time, again, of where we are in the world, where so much focus is on our physical being, you know, Jesus is saying there are all these other components to my health, not just my physical health, not just if I'm eating, but I have all these other things too. And um, in verse 34, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So again, not saying that we don't need to be thinking about our physical health, but he's saying right there that that's not his only food. He's saying that his food is to do the will of the Lord. And so I just thought that was really cool that that was included, and I liked how um, it was written. And I think the last verse here, verse 42, so the people in the community said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the Lord. So I thought that it was interesting because they are saying that not only are they believing it because of her words, but they're saying we also saw it ourselves and heard it ourselves. And so I think that is a good reminder that some people need to um, be involved in things in a different in different ways, not just hearing something one time and then automatically believing it. And I liked that it showed that this community, not only did they, um, not only did they hear her, but they also did these other things that kind of confirmed their belief in the Lord 
or in Jesus before they became Christian. So I just thought that was a cool way to end this story. So, okay. The last thing is that I asked some people um, to offer up some prayers. And so I really wanted to um, just kind of have this time at the end of the sermon to pray together. And so um, I hope that y'all can just sit in, you know, some silence or peace wherever you are, whether you're listening in your home or you're listening in your car. Um, But just even if you have like kids running around right now being wild, um, if y'all can just like take some quiet time and I'm going to just read some prayers from other people um, in the community. So if y'all can just think about and reflect on these prayers as I read them. Okay. God, give us peace and clarity as we walk through these unknown times. Let us know how best to protect our families and each other. Give our public officials wisdom as they make decisions for our community. Protect our healthcare workers mentally and physically as they prepare to treat those who are ill. Give us the strength to be gentle and compassionate with each other through this difficult challenge. Thank you for loving us and for giving us this community which we love so dearly. Lord, hear our prayers. God, we don't even know where to begin except to trust you, that you have us in this moment. I heard yesterday in a yoga class that the veil of impermanence that we knew was there all along has been lifted, and I keep thinking that this is a reset button for us to focus on what's really important. In the midst of this crisis, we ask that you're with those who are fearful about money, health care, job security, child care, the spread of the virus, and all the unknowns that we as a community and world know what we can do to help and support one another, especially those struggling, that we are reminded that our own decisions affect those around us in more ways than we realize because we are so intricately connected. We ask that you help us to respond with love to one another instead of fear, that you have us even in this moment of uncertainty. Lord, hear our prayers. Dear God, at the start of each day, help us to recognize you above all else. Enlighten the eyes of our heart that we may see you and notice how you're at work through our lives. Give us wisdom to make the best choices. Fill us with the desire to seek after you more than anything else in this world. Let your spirit and power breathe in us, through us, again, fresh and new. Thank you that you are greater than anything we may face in our day. Thank you that your presence goes with us and that your joy is never dependent on our circumstances, but it is our true and lasting strength no matter what we're up against. We ask that your peace lead us and that it would guard our hearts and minds in you. We ask for your grace to cover our lives this day. We love you, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, hear our prayers. God, it's rare that we are all so unsure, all searching for wisdom, and all afraid. We confess we aren't used to praying as an us, but we do pray together today. We ask you to be our shepherd. Please, God, be our want. Please let your comfort be our green pastures. Let your presence be our quiet water. We are in a valley, and we are frightened and unsure, and we are losing sight of what is true. So, God, please remind us. Please show us that you are the staff that studies us. You are the leader in the path of righteousness. You are the sole restorer. Please remind us that your goodness and mercy are always around us, always close to you, so help us to look for it. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear your overflowing comfort as you give us your presence in crises. And in this time, please teach us what it means to truly dwell alongside you. Lord, hear our prayers. 
Prayers for all the people whose work is affected by this pandemic, from musicians to event staff to airline workers, medical staff, grocery store workers, factory workers, and everyone who has to worry about financial stability on top of everything else. Lord, help us to reach out to our community and support each other. Help us to give while others hoard. Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we have been anxious, apathetic, annoyed, uncertain, nervous, and confused. Let our attitudes be glorifying to you. Our perspective of what marginalized looks like has been interrupted and redefined. Let that be glorifying to you. Our minds have been flooded with information at all hours, and we need the self-control to know what we're informed enough for the day. Let that be glorifying to you. Whether we are learning rest and stillness for the first time or are being forced to learn it now, let it be glorifying to you. And our quiet thoughts, as we consider the future, let them be glorifying to you. Mold our hearts in this time to be people who are just as concerned with our neighbor as ourselves. Let it be glorifying to you. We would never wish this or hope for a time such as this, but it's here. And since it's here, we, we say thank you for a chance to do what's best for the greater we. Lord, hear our prayers. And the last one I wanted to share is the um, collect from the beginning of the sermon. So again, this is a prayer that people around the world are praying as part of Lent. So in this Lenten season, let us remember that Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so thank you all for joining church today, even though I know it was different for everyone and it looks very different, but we're all still here together. And again, I think reminding ourselves to check in with one another, to continue praying and um, praying for the community, praying for the world, praying for each other. And I wanted to share that um, we have a couple of announcements. So we are taking Sunday services week by week. So stay tuned for emails and social media. We will let y'all know what the plan is for next Sunday. Um, we are not having the play date at Central Market that was going to be on the 18th. Um, so again, um, that we're not having that this week, but check your email for, we're going to be sending out more encouragement to everyone. So there was an email yesterday with some tips on um, taking care of your mental health during this time. And again, um, reaching out to the elders if you have specific prayer requests. We are praying for um, everyone, but of course those who have let us know specific requests. We're really, really praying, of course, with intention on those. So again, we will continue to pray as a community, but if y'all have specific needs, please reach out to us, whether it be a text to me or one of the other elders, um, just let us know because we want to pray for y'all. Um, I think the other thing is just to keep checking your email because there will be some other um, written encouragement that is going to come your way. And um yeah, I think the last thing I wrote down that I wanted to share and make sure that I got is that to remember that our peace comes from um, the Lord. And when our peace comes from external sources, it can waver. And I think we're experiencing that right now. So now is the time to look to God and to take care of our community and take care of ourselves. And I love y'all. And thanks for tuning in to this live video, the first time that we've done Facebook Live. Okay, bye.